Captain Nemo. Star date. Uh, don't you mean sea date? Yes, sea date 3-19-19. Today we started off at the reef, where we saw many, many creatures, some zipping by fast, others tentacled and just beautiful. But then we dove into the depths and encountered something I dare say I never want to see again. A swarm of krakens whose barbells were longer than the Nautilus itself. But I guess that's what evolves down here in the depths of the oceans. Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today I'm joined by Greg. Hey, hey. And he got a chance to sit down with Dominic Krapichetz, the founder and co-president of North Star Games, to talk about their new game, Oceans. But before we dive into that, let's talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, so we've had a chance to bring uh, several games to table, actually, mm-hmm. which has been pretty nice. Uh, we played some more rounds of The Mind. Yeah. We won a two-player game. Yeah, yeah, we did. It which, was uh, It was nice. I mean, uh, it's cool because, I mean, we went all the way up to, like, 12 cards each right which is i mean that's it's so cumbersome but you're just like i have you know some chunks of cards i think in my final hand i had like four cards above 90 yeah so that was going to be relatively easy if you didn't have anything in that bracket but none of mine were adjacent so i didn't know if maybe you did and it just gets so stressful but i do think i mean two players is Mm -hmm. definitely the easiest way to play oh 100 like you've got the most rounds but the reduced possibility for miscommunication that comes from only Mm -hmm. having to have one-on-one yeah like communication just yeah you're 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 just like moving uh, like you're communicating with just one person and you're not trying to compare what people are saying between like three different people right there's just that many fewer chances for for screw-ups and i think if you're looking to beat it as easy as possible find a person who's sort of on your same wavelength like jacob and i yep uh, and just play two player but that said i do think the three and four player is probably the most satisfying way to play it yeah yeah simply sure. because it's so ridiculous it's amazing i absolutely love it that way so that was cool that was a sort of like a yay moment for us mm-hmm. and then i also got to actually play some betrayal legacy this weekend oh that's right you got back to the table for that mm-hmm. and i think with every session i'm just like sort of happy with it but sort of unhappy or sort of salty about it yeah yeah i mean this last one it was really funny during the building phase because like we were going and like we got to i think six omens and at that roll we were still fine oh wow we just had to roll above a five right pretty much or five or above in order to trigger it and we didn't do it and then we had i think three rounds where no one even drew an omen (laughs) so you're just walking around like well, I've event, got my event, items. I've item, got my stuff. Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff was just right there, and and also throughout this whole thing, even this was one of the ones that like I think we just got more hurt in the actual like course of the exploration than we did like in most of the other haunts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like most of us had our at least one stat at critical, if not two. Shit, dang. And then like at least one stat really close to critical. I think mm-hmm. there was one person who was like almost fully healthy. Okay. Everybody else was like near death. Were they the traitor? So funnily enough, that person is the one who drew the last omen to trigger the uh, the haunt. Okay. But the traitor was the person to their left. Okay. Well, that's which was me. Good for the party. 
I won't spoil anything, but there was like a whole bunch of stuff going on. But in the end, I lost after having one of my own turns. Ooh. So sometimes that happens to the trader. Yeah, exactly. It was just one of those things that it was just like, oh, God. So gameplay overall, you're sort of starting to to not sour on it, but kind of just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, And talk to me, though, a little bit about the legacy elements. So Mm -hmm. you've played, what, six sessions of this now? I think we're actually up to either seven or eight, maybe. Okay. So in terms of, like, the iterative elements, Mm -hmm. how, like, are those coming together well, or is it basically just more, oh, we're just playing a game of betrayal one after another? Like, because I don't know anything about Mm -hmm. this other than what I've heard from you. So, like, how does it feel as a legacy game rather than just multiple games of betrayal strung together. I think it does actually uh, change a bit, especially with things like the legacy items uh, or the heirloom items and other things like that. Okay. And there is an overarching story. Okay. Well, that's good. So there is a bit of an overarching story and like it, it does branch a little bit and uh, there are certain points that it comes back together and that kind of stuff. So I do think it definitely adds to it. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that I would like, the legacy version more than just the base game. Okay. Uh, it, you get more invested in the characters. You get more invested in in what's going on. You have more chances to read things in the book, not just at the very uh, very end or not just when the haunt is drawn. Every setup is is a slightly different pretty much thing being read at the beginning of like, what is the setup? Why are you setting up a slightly differently? Like there have been setups where some number of people start on the front steps but then someone else starts in the in the house in a specific room oh interesting okay that kind of stuff so it's just like it actually does have some more scenario stuff sure okay Um, well that's kind of cool and then there's like other things like inhabitants who are there who you can meet and they either have beneficial things or detrimental things oh whoa okay and then there are a few other like kind of legacy-ish type things that you you're able to see and and the things that you do do affect it right like you can kill inhabitants, for example, mm-hmm. and then they won't show up ever again. Right. So it's, right. it's 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 interesting. I think it does definitely add to it. Uh, and I think right now we're definitely getting into like the the meat of the story where it's like getting to be pretty interesting. Okay. Um, but it definitely it doesn't suffer as much as all the betrayal games that I've seen, but it still suffers a bit from the whole it can happen that you're completely screwed one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, when you've got a, a system that is basically pure random, yeah. you know, sometimes that's just going to happen and there's really no way, like you can try to build haunts that are relatively balanced, but there's just no way to predict and no way to plan for. Exactly. So. Yeah. You know, someone just has all the items or weapons or whatever and, right. or just has the right thing in the right place at the right time. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, that's cool though. Yeah, it was fun. I also actually got to play a game called Call to Adventure. Okay, that sounds fun. It was interesting. It's it's one that's been cropping up a lot online. And the Kickstarter, I think, recently got shipped. And then I think it's either in stores now or recently is coming into stores very soon. Sure. And it's a game where pretty much you're building your adventure and like their their adventure kind of thing. Whereas like you start with like uh, you have your background and like I think of virtue and then you have like a goal that's secret as well. Okay. And it's almost RPG esque. It has a little bit of RPG esque, but it's done more through sort of deck building, but not really a deck. You're, you're building a tableau almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be more of a tableau building thing, Okay. but you have to like pay for the cards in different ways by having certain runes. And, uh, they actually have some, uh, instead of using dice or anything like that, you get these rune stones, right? They have three base ones. One side is blank. One side, it gives you, uh, gives you one check towards, 
succeeding right okay sure sure sure. um but then like if you have the skills or like those kinds of runes in your tableau then you get to throw these other ones that give you additional bonuses like for example if you have this certain skill that matches what you're trying to do you get a rune that has that symbol on one side and then just the check mark on the other side so that one gives you a guaranteed one success but if you roll that rune it gives you two successes oh okay so right. it's that kind of thing, like as you as you build your character up to have synergies with that those types of things, they just get better. Right. And you can go, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing you can go for sort of a generalist where you've got maybe one or two extra points in each type of rune, or you can go hyper-specialized where like one of your types of runes is like four successes and then your others are well the thing is that you can't really go fully specialized or fully generalist because like you can only get up to three additional runes of each type. Okay. So, like, you only get that. And even one of those, like, there are two of those that are the two on one side, one on the on the other. Mm-hmm. The third rune is three on one side, zero on the other. Oof. So it could be really good, could be really, uh, like, give you, it gives you a different benefit, but it could be bad. Right, right. Um, and, but you're only able to use up to three additional runes. Gotcha. Of each type. So you, you want to specialize in maybe two or three runes rather than just one. Right. Um, and then you also, you know, you can decide it's actually pretty cool that they have, like when you're declaring each card has a top and a bottom, like, you know, it's the same adventure, but you get to choose, like, for example, you delve into the library, right? Some kind of ancient library. Sure. Either you gain dark forbidden knowledge or like, you know, find the treasure or something like that. Sure. Sure. And so you get to choose which way your character would go. And then that's the kind of benefit that you get. And sometimes they can be more difficult. Sometimes they can be easier depending on uh, which way you're going. You also have the tracks of being a hero or an anti-hero. Okay. Or I think that they call it like heroic and tragic tracks or something like that. Okay. And uh, you get these additional cards pretty much like they're heroic cards that can give you bonuses as well as tragic cards that can give you bonuses, but they get give you in like different ways. And like if you're in the middle, you can draw either one of them, but if you really go into the dark side, then you can only draw the tragic cards. And Makes if you sense. go all the way up to the t- uh, light, you can only draw the good cards. Okay, Things sort like of that. like Path of Light and Shadow-esque. It behooves Esque, yeah. you to sign up, sort of go to one end or the other. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but you can't go if you go all the way to the to the like corrupted side, you uh, lose points at the end of the game. Ah. So it's just like it's like you get zero points, I think two, four, and then minus four. Huh. Or something wow. like that. that. So like that you happen want, fast. <laughs> yeah, you want to like balance because there's only, I think, six or seven levels. Okay. So it's just like the one that's like right in the middle and then like yeah, there are three down lower for uh for corruption, and mm-hmm. then the fourth one is the one that's you you've gone too far. Uh, and then you've got two up for light. Gotcha. But in general, I don't know. It was it was an interesting game, and I like the concept because I love the flavor filled games and that kind of stuff. It felt really flat for me. Hmm. It just felt like even though uh, it, it was, I think, a little bit redeemed by the fact that I ended up not coming in last. I was expecting to get completely sw- uh, swiped, but the person who I thought would destroy everyone at the table actually ended up being in last place. Okay. Well, that was, seems really interesting, though. It was really interesting. And if it hadn't been for that, I just would have like completely dismissed this game sure. as like, no, I don't want to play it again. But sort of subverting uh, expectations like that kind of... A little bit, but it was still really frustrating because what uh, one of the things is that if you fail at an adventure or something like that in the uh, of the cards, it's gone forever. Like you went on this adventure but failed. Okay. So no one can do it again because, well, that was... A that was the, time. the chance. Yeah, sure. And so... 
like you you still get a, a one vp in terms of experience experience point which is worth one vp at the end of the game or you can use it for a certain effect in game okay and you're pretty much you end the game when someone gets their ninth card a like ninth adventure completed okay ninth right. skill adventure whatever it is completed and then once that happens everyone else gets another one other turn and then you're done okay so two people of ours ended with nine cards i ended with six okay and it was really frustrating because i kept like you know i i like in order to get something i had to like you know go and you and like get try to get the cards but then i failed like i think three in a row sure and it just felt really unsatisfying because it was just like i just kept failing at trying to do all these different things even though i had like the bonuses and i just like you know through badly or sure whatever. just a, an element of chance that wasn't you weren't able to mitigate so. yeah and it, it just it frustrated me a bit about how all that worked and in general like it didn't feel satisfying enough for the story that it was making mm-hmm. like it felt like the story almost was, I don't know, the story was almost perfunctory in that way to me. Hmm. And like, it, it, even if you wanted to go like, oh, this is perfect for my, like, you know, the story for my character, but then you throw badly and then oh, sure. you're yeah. screwed. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. get it. So yeah, it's that kind of thing. Oh, or like someone else tries to get it or whatever and, and like they get it inst- uh, instead or they don't even get it and they just, it just gets destroyed. So, right. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I might try to play it again, but for now, I'm just like, eh. It's, it's got beautiful illustrations. It has a really cool concept, but I don't know if it really actually did it well. Sure. Maybe not the execution you were looking for. Yeah, pretty much. That's fair. Well, there you go. That's what we've been playing. All right, so... I'm here with Dominic Krepuschetz of North Star Games, and we are sitting down today to talk about Oceans, mm-hmm. the newest one uh, from North Star Games. Um, but I'm looking here, I'm seeing we've got little goldfish-style wooden pieces. We've got the, I assume these are the trait cards, mm-hmm. of course, and then some other trait cards as well, mm-hmm. which are the deeps. Yeah, nice. Depths. Nice, you've been doing your homework. I have. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about uh, the game. How's it played? So I'll start higher level, just because I'm not sure people even know the Evolution series. Right, yeah, get in at the ground floor. So the reason there's an Evolution series is there's a niche of games which really haven't been developed where they're ecosystem-based. And I'll explain what that is by first explaining what it's not and what other people have done. So a lot of Evolution games have been area control games. They Mm -hmm. basically take war games where you control areas and they go, oh, that's what evolution is, or that's what animals are doing. They're like in a war and they're owning territories. Sure. And that's that's really not the way ecosystems work. Ecosystems are dynamic. There are lots of different niches. There's not like someone dominating an area. There's lots of different species all finding different niches within an area. Right. Another way that the space, the theme has been addressed is taking civilization games, so Sid Meier's is civilization, mm-hmm. taking a tech tree and saying, and, and you're going down a tech tree and getting better and better and better. And sure. there's like a one way forward. And that's basically, technology does move forward, but uh, ecosystems are in flux and species are well adapted to a specific environment. And mm-hmm. as that environment changes, they're not well adapted anymore. We talk about the top of the food chain, but really lions where we say like are top of the food chain, they're not doing super well. 
Right. So the way that uh, evolutionary biologists would be looking at the situation is, how you know, what's the population like, and how are they growing, and how are they flourishing? Not can they literally kill every other animal in the ecosystem? Right. Because you know, being the only one left isn't great because then you no. have no one to feed on yeah, if exactly. you're a predator. <laughs> I guess if you're prey, you have no predators anymore. So that's not too bad. This is horrible. So, um, so it actually can be bad, but anyways, ecosystems are very dynamic. And what this game does, what the whole series is, is about adapting to the changing environment. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a game about adapting. And I'd say it's a tableau builder, kind of an engine builder, but there is not a best engine. Engines are exploiting specific niches. Right. And then as other people are adapting their species, it's changing the environment. So there's this feedback loop. And so every person's turn is changing the environment and you're trying to stay one step ahead of the adaptations. Sure. So that's the genre of the game. That's why it's part of the evolution series. Okay. This one uh, takes place in the ocean. And I'll just start with the theme. Yeah. You've probably heard this. The bottom of the food chain is plankton or phytoplankton. Right. All right. And that's basically one-celled organisms or plants that convert sunlight into energy. Mm -hmm. So they eat they eat light. They right. eat the sun. Which is pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. There's tons and tons and tons of these little things. Every other species after that, basically, is a carnivore. Mm -hmm. And they just eat. So it's not like, so on land, it's a completely different ecosystem. We're mostly plant eaters on land right. with, with very few carnivores. So in the oceanic system, every fish then just eating smaller fish. And it goes all the way up until you get to the big sharks and apex predators. And then even bigger than the apex predators are these gentle filter feeding giants right. that filter through the earth. The most amazing dichotomy. Yeah. Enormous and they feed on the absolute smallest creatures in the world. Yeah. And they're gentle. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can afford to be gentle when you're that big. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's going to eat you. <laughs> so that's what this is simulating. And in fact, specifically, that's what the surface cards are simulating. Okay. And we call this the surface cards because really we don't know very much about the ecosystems that are way down in the bottom of the ocean. Right. Most of the life is staying up in the top 20, 20 50 feet you know, where, where sunlight hits. Right, exactly. And then there are only 12 traits here. That's pretty limited. That's pretty spare. Very spare, yeah. Now we spent several years working on these traits because we wanted them to be one, thematic, mm -hmm. two, simple, and three, very interactive. Okay. So they can play out in a lot of different ways. So this creates the consistency to the game and makes it quite easy to get into what I think of as like the CCG genre where there's all these interesting synergistic interactions mm -hmm. and you know, I was a pro magic player for five, seven years and I loved it. I mean, right. it's just, you're like, whoa, what about this? Oh, and you're like discovering things and it's just like, it's so exciting. But the learning curves is horrible. Right. You're like, oh, here's 300 cards, learn them. Yeah, and that's just one set. And that's one set, exactly. <laughs> so what really what my goal is, is to introduce kind of that love that I have of those synergistic card play games to just a wider audience. Sure. So being simple to teach is very, very important to me. This is the simplest to teach of the evolution games. Okay. But I want deep and immersive gameplay because I'm a gamer and I love, I love heavy games. I just don't like lots of rules. Right, yes, the, the tension there. So how do you think you managed with oceans? 
Uh, so, so I give myself very good grade on this. All right. So, okay, so there's 12 traits here. Right. And you start off with all the cards in your hand are surface cards. Sure. So there's quite a few different ways it can play out, but you're going to be familiar with the cards very quickly. Right. Then there's the deep, and this is supposed to drive long-term excitement and wonder, like, whoa, this is a cool card. And you're only going to see a few of these cards in a game. And this is... I'm not sure what the final number is going to be, but the whole game has over a hundred unique traits and over a hundred unique pieces of art. Okay. And most of it is here in the deep. Right. Because if you've only got 12 unique traits on the surface, mm -hmm. are, so is this entire deck completely unique? Entire deck is completely unique. Okay. That's, art that's and... That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And this has been the biggest project I've ever worked on in my life. Uh, yeah, I believe it. And I don't think I'm going to embark on a project this in, in the next five <laughs> you, years for sure. Your yeah, yeah I'm, I'm taking a break. <laughs> But what this does is it, uh, one, it drives long-term replayability, right. but it's also, it's just so fun to look at these cards and to see it and find new cards and go, oh, whoa, this can interact. And, you know, it's, it's just exciting to discover new things. And right, so this absolutely. is the known, the known world, mm -hmm. and this is the yet-to-be-discovered world. Right. And so as we did research for the theme, we would learn things that were too crazy to be believed. I mean, like real things where you're like, this is not possible. Like yeah. these little shrimp, you may have heard of these, they squeeze so quickly that they the make friction... A, like a superheated bubble? Yeah. Yeah. And they shoot this at people. Yeah, that's that's some science fiction. It's science right fiction, there. yeah. And so it allowed us to go straight into science fiction. Mm -hmm. we, we took those crazy things and put them in there, and then we went crazier. So it allowed us to take this like scientific game and add fantasy to it, basically, sure, or yeah. science fiction, which is, right. which is fun. Kick it up a notch. And, and, then, and then under the pretense, they're like, no, 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 this will be discovered at some point. <laughs> <laughs> These things will exist. Right. So it's fun. These cards are power cards. Okay. And so... So you don't have to pay to play these cards. It's right. just like evolution. This is the hardest thing to do is get 12 balanced cards that all work together right. that are simple. This is where most of the work was. You're playtesting over and over and over, just trying to tweak and make sure that everything, no, nothing's overpowered, nothing's underpowered. Exactly. Thousands and thousands of games have been played. We had 1,300 people sign up to be playtesters. 200 plus people have actually downloaded the print and play files and played and logged games. Okay. And then about close to 100 have played maybe 10 plus times. Okay. And then there's a core of like 30 people that have just keep playing, keep playing and oh, post every single day on Discord and conversations. Yeah. Right. So we have tons of data. That's great. Yeah, so it's, so it's great. Yeah. Then these cards are power cards. You have to pay for them. Okay. And so there's, there's a certain fun, emotional childlike feeling of like playing something big right popping it down that no one's ever seen before whoa whoa what's that what? that changes the environment mm -hmm. so that's really just capturing the essence of this game is is the way these two work together and the game is perfectly playable two players with just this these cards just it's a really them. fun game in fact if we play right now we could do that sure it's, it's a great game the ocean adds scenarios and okay. so you know, over 500 different scenarios that you can be playing. Mm -hmm. And these uh, have been refined and refined and refined for impact. Okay. So they really change the environment. And one thing that I love about this design, now this is, this is geek speak, mm -hmm. this is game designer geek speak, because we know these 12 traits and most of the cards in play are gonna be these 12 traits, right. there's a consistency that we can count on when we create this 80 plus unique traits. Right. And so, whereas if the whole thing were unique, it's really wonky. You're mm. like, well, this interacts with these five cards, and if those five cards aren't in there, then it's just a dead card. Right. 
Whereas I can create a card that I'm where I can pretty much guarantee there's going to be a card in play or several cards in play that it's mm -hmm. interacting with. In right, so you've got a, a really solid core yeah. that you can then build from. Okay. And the really solid core is kind of tournament worthy. Okay. It's, it's very much like, you know, I'm a pro magic player. Uh, and then I add in a lot of the chaos and fun mm -hmm. into the deep. Sure. And it's the interaction of these two that really kind of gives this game its essence. Okay. Well, I'm super stoked to get into this. Uh, do you want to play a quick sure. 1v1? Yeah. All right. So how do we... All right. I'm seeing here we've got a couple of different trays. They've got some fish in them. We've got the two... Uh, you describe these as scenarios. Mm -hmm. And I assume these are just sort of permanent modifiers to all species. Yes. So this breaks the core rule, rules of the game. Mm -hmm. And then traits break everything, including core rules and these, okay. but only for your specific species. Sure. That makes sense. All right. All right. Should we get into it? Let's do it. These are not active okay. until the fish are gone from that spot. Interesting. Okay. So each of these scenarios has a tray associated with it. You're going to take from there. I assume these fish are the food. So you just shuffle these cards. You place two of them in there okay. or just choose two that you want. Right. There are more populations, more fish mm -hmm. with more players. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Because, uh, yeah, I noticed the different colors. I was wondering about that. Yeah, so if you're going to then play a three-player game, take in the red. Like, okay. the, the, you just take in the specific colors. Sure, sure. Okay. All right, so with a two-player game, what do we start with? I know in previous evolution games, we start with one species each. Yeah. Are we, is this pretty similar on that front? Nope, zero. Zero species. All right, start. I'm always into, like, how do you simplify setup? I hate <laughs> setup. So there are little tweaks that I'm still working on. And until we go to the print file, you know, I'll be just polishing. Sure. So, so that's that's your disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. So so forget all the specifics. The hand size might be six, might be seven, might be. Well, it'll probably it'll be six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a starting hand yes. of surface traits. So we'll just do six. We'll do six. Okay. And I'll take my first turn. This is a player aid. Okay. So on your turn, you're going to go through these steps. The first thing you're going to do is play one card. Okay. All right, and there are two ways to play it. Mostly, you're going to play it as a trait on a species. Sure. If you want to play it on a new species, you just grab a free species board. Okay. And you're going to grab one free population from the ocean. Okay. All right. If you play it on an existing species, then it doesn't get a free population. Makes sense. The final thing you can do is you can discard it, and there's a number in the bottom left. This is like the food number in evolution. Right. And you can move food from any pile to any pile, from, from here to here, from here to here, just mm. any one of these piles to any other pile. Okay, so you can sort of manipulate where the food is to either you know, advance the scenario conditions or yeah. to delay them. Yeah. Okay. There's three icons that you have to learn. All right. The green one is forage. Okay. And that number is how much it can forage from the reef. Okay. So think of the reef as the watering hole. Yeah. The red number is attacking other species. Okay. So the Genter filter feeder cannot attack. Right. But he can go to the reef and take five. An apex predator can cannot go to the reef. Right. But can attack a species and take three. Okay. And the last one is this blue symbol, which is the gains symbol. Yep. And gains is always taken from the first ocean board that has population. Okay. So you've got the, these are laid out in a specific order. You've mm -hmm. got the reef and then, you know, one, two, three yep. pools. So this is okay. almost assuredly going to get triggered first. Right. And then this, Second. but then people might turn them on and off and who knows what will happen sure. as you go on to the game. Okay. So you're going to play one card. 
Okay. Almost always as a trait, but later on sometimes to manipulate, mm -hmm. to migrate. Then you're going to feed one species. Okay. And your species is either going to forage in the reef right. or attack another species. Okay. The act of doing that might trigger some of these blue cards, right. which we'll then take from the ocean. Okay, so the blue cards are exclusively triggered? Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. Good yep, to know. exclusively triggered from the ocean. After you've fed one species, and here's the rub, you age all of your species. Okay. So time marches on, and every single species loses one population, and that is scored. It goes in your score bag. Okay. So you you lose them due to aging, you know, populations grow and wax and wane over time, but having those populations for that period of time is going to give you points. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That shows that you had population so that your species were thriving. The more species you have, the more you're going to score that turn. Okay. If any of your species after aging have zero population, they go extinct. Makes sense. So there's a constant pressure of time and the constant pressure of other species who are basically using your species as a personal little watering hole. Right. So that's kind of the structure. Okay. Uh, your species do not go extinct on someone else's turn. So if you attack me down to zero, I still always have a chance to respond. That's really nice. So one of the biggest complaints about evolution was that, well, the skill bar is really high and it's kind of hidden. People don't realize it. And so they play and it's very punitive. Mm -hmm. If you get hit hard, you can get hit super, super hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it can lead to a really bad experience if you're not good enough to kind of understand how to play the game. If you don't have time or you don't have the understanding to get the defensive traits that you need out, you can end up like one shot. Like really just having a miserable time. Right. So we spent a lot of time to make sure that we still have the interaction because people love the interaction, but it's not so punitive when you get hit. Okay. That is, uh, that's nice, responsive game design. I like it. As, I mean, as a player. <laughs> Responsive to the community. Responsive to the community. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Definitely. So now with the drawing of cards, at the end of your turn, you can draw one deep card. Okay. And there are two ways to do it. You can draw a face-up card. Right. And then if that slot is empty, just refill it. Or you can draw three face-down cards. Okay. No one will know what you drew. And then you discard two of them. You cover up two different piles with the other two. Okay. And you discard them face-up. Yep, face up, and they, they become part of that pile, and you cover up, and now those can't be taken. Okay, so if I'm personally not interested in swarming, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't want someone else to get it either, mm -hmm. I can take off the top, and I can discard some cards onto swarming. Yep, and there's also a way to have a hidden card. If, you know, if you use one of these, mm -hmm. and people kind of know what it is, and there's kind of a fun, like, reveal sometimes. Ah, cool. Ah. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so the first thing you do for setup, there is one setup. You flip over a card. That's six, so you're going to take six food per player and put it in the reef. Okay. One, two, three, four. And that comes from the first ocean slot? Five, six, from the first, yeah. And so then that that actually changes pretty dramatically the gameplay. If there's a lot of food here and this is about to trigger or not very much food here and it's going to take a long, long time to trigger. Sure. Yeah, and that just speeds things up, so that's nice. So the rooms, reels are pretty simple. Yep. There's a couple more things. Okay. One, I should just explain the scenario. Yep. Species get plus one gains. Okay. So anyone that has a, a gains icon, mm -hmm. it's it's one bigger. Every one of them. Okay. So so this one says shark cleaner. When a species with three or more attacks, gain two if this is one of the closest shark cleaners on either side. So basically, when this guy attacks a species, the closest shark cleaner on this side gains from the ocean and the closest shark cleaner on this side gains. Okay. When this is open, it's going to be gaining an extra one. All right, makes sense. And remind me, gain is moved from any pile to any other pile? So gain is 
take from the very first ocean pile. That's right. what gain is. There will be a green icon on each side of the reef okay. to show that mm, that's okay. where so you go. Is. And then there'll be a blue triangle on all of these to know that this is where you take the blue gains from. Makes sense. In hospitable environment, when this is active, mm -hmm. instead of aging one, you age plus two, so you age three. Goo. So every species loses three population. I mean, not loses, yeah. you score. You score. Well, you score. Yeah, you score. Right. Oh, yeah. This is good. This is a good thing. It's a little bit of an inhospitable environment. Extremely inhospitable. But it changes the gameplay and the strategies tremendously. Oh, for sure. Which is what sure. I'm shooting for. Okay. One thing which I didn't say, which is not super intuitive, but I, I like to make the fewest number of rules possible okay. and the greatest amount of divergent gameplay. Sure. So in this game, you can have multiple copies on a species. So for okay. instance, this is a six attack. Value. Okay, so you can have multiple, you know, of a single <clears throat> trait on a single. Yeah, and so if I have three whale cleaners on it, whenever a whale forages, mm -hmm. You'll gain two, four, six. Right. And okay. if abundance is there, you'll gain three, th six, nine. nine. Your species board only has ten slots. Right. And that. That's what I was going to ask about. That's overpopulation. Okay. You ever have to put that there? You discard all the way down until you have five population. You put them in the reef. It's kind of like your population gets too big and diseases start spreading. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. I like that. I like um, that. It 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 creates a lot of interesting gameplay and it makes for some really cool. Like, there are scenarios where overpopulation leads to death. Right. I was going to say, with abundance, you know, 369, yeah. you're going to get to 10 real fast. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the things you're managing. Okay. I like it. And is there any way to discard an existing trait from a species? Yeah. Uh, during your play card straight, you can discard anything you want. Okay, great. So if you if you, we do proc this abundance, yeah. and then suddenly you're, and you're like, like, oh, my God. God. Okay, you can just pitch that. And, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Great. I think that's it. Is there anything else? I think that does it for core rules. I do have a question related to the cards that are in my hand, but if you want to take yeah. your first turn, we can uh, do that once I get to my turn. Sure, with that, I'll just take my first turn, because that'll be easy. I'm going to play Tentacles. Okay. may feed one additional time. Right. It gets a free population. It's a gains, so it gets it from over here. Right. So I played my trait. Yep. Now I'm going to feed. There's no other species in play, so I have to go here to the reef. Okay. Oh, so one thing I did not say is, if you look at your forage values, you add them all up, and you, you don't have any icons, mm -hmm. You can always go for one. Okay, that was going to be my question because none oh. of my cards have any forage values. You'll be able to attack me because I have the species in play. And if you don't have any red icons, the same goes. You can always attack another species for one. Okay, all right. So there's always a baseline of one. If you have zero icons. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Good. good. So I am going to do my feeding. Yep. And then I get to feed one additional time. Yep. I have to feed this species for it to get its one additional feed. feed. Okay. All right. All right. So. Then I feed there. Now I age. This goes into my. There's going to be a, a cool screen. There's going to be a screen, screen? Okay. with kind of like this reef-like thing. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. This is a gorgeous pattern. Uh, I'll show you another thing. Yeah, thank you. That, the artist. I love the artist. The, yeah. Is this a lot of these seem similar? Is this the same artist who did the the surface and the reef and the oceans? That's all Catherine Hamilton in the, okay. in the front of the box. Um, and then she has a couple in here, but these are a whole bunch of different artists. I, would, yeah, I mean, when you've got so many pieces of unique art, you just got. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So now I do one thing. I'm going to draw a card, and I'm going to draw three. <laughs> I am going to. Oh, I don't like that face. You... I don't like that face one bit. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to cover that one because that one is a good card. And 
when you are discarding the cards that you've drawn from the top of the deck, do they mm -hmm. have to cover two different yep. stacks? Two different stacks. Okay. So you can't just be like, bury that one. Yep. That makes sense. Then you can discard as many surface cards as you want, draw back up to six. I'm going to discard all that and draw four. And makes that sense. allows you to really tailor your, your play. Yep. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I am going to go ahead and follow suit. I'm going to play Tentacled as well. Nice. Get me a new species here. Uh, do species still have a maximum of three traits? Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you're taking your free first one, it, does it come from the comes mm -hmm. from the ocean? Okay. Mm-hmm. So put that back. It's here, and then I'm going to feed twice for one each. I recommend you. You want to me prey on you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I see no reason not to just do I that see, twice, then. I see so, no reason not to. <laughs> it puts pressure on me, which is great. Right. So you should not consider the population on the table as yours. It's not yours yet. Right. When you bag it, it's yours. It's when you age. Yeah. At okay. the end of the game, it'll all be yours. Sure. But, I mean, that's what makes defensive cards important. Right, right. So then uh, I played a trait. Mm -hmm. I fed on you. Yeah, sure. I will age one. My species does not go extinct. And now I will draw a deep card. I am going to go ahead and draw Swarming. I'm seeing references to something called Leech. Yeah. Is Leech a mechanic that I will encounter? Yeah, I'll tell you. So this thing will actually fold open and you'll have all 12 of these traits okay. that you can look at. So I'll just show you that the, the, there's a bunch of them, but this is in, in the surface card. So you'll see a bunch of these. Sure. Before your feeding phase, Leech 2 from the species to the left if it has a greater population. Okay. And leeching two just means you take two and just put it on the other Okay, species. so you just yoink. So right. species have adjacency, yep. just, just like in evolution, but the adjacency goes completely all the way around the table. So right now, uh -huh. this is adjacent to you and you're adjacent to me. Okay, so there's some defensive options in how you play your species. You can protect yourself, you can give yourself a buffer from a leech that your opponent has. Mm -hmm. okay. Exactly, so you all probably right. have something that says cannot be leeched, which I do. Which um, will be really good if I come over here to try to leech you. Yep. Uh, okay, all right. I'm gonna, so I'm going to discard these two and draw back up two more surface cards. And that is my first turn. You're the first person I've taught this to in terms of these actual rules. So there's a few things I've actually forgotten. These power cards, you have to pay right. to play. Oh, did I already tell you that? So yeah, the, you mentioned the, it, but didn't talk about how. So that number there comes from your score bag. And you place it on any ocean pile. Okay. So you pay essentially points. Pay points. To play these really powerful cards. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Some of these numbers are going to get reduced, a lot of these numbers, because I want them to get even better. Right. As soon as one of these ocean piles becomes empty, mm -hmm. the Cambrian explosion takes place. And okay. this was a real time in history when right. lots of evolution took place in a very, very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Once the Cambrian explosion takes place, you can play deep cards. Right now, you cannot play deep cards. Okay, so this is just banking. This is just banking and reducing your hand size. Right. And you can play two surface cards a, a turn. Okay. So all of a sudden, boom, the game explodes. So right, right. now, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a setup. That's nice. I am going to create a new species because I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> this says, gain one when the species to the right forages or attacks. There, yep. And I'm going to attack. Yep. And so he gains one. And then do it and again. I'm attack again. Yep. So I am sitting on an even 30. Looks like you're pushing 50. Yep. So, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. I'm, I'm not surprised. But uh, that was a ton of fun. 
I love the theme. I love the flavor of it. I think it plays very, very well. I think having having a limited core surface deck, I think is a really good idea because you're seeing the same types of things over and over again, especially if you're playing multiple games. You're seeing the same things. You're understanding what are going to form the backbone of the majority of your species. And then you've got sort of these rule-breaking, amazing, unique, deep cards that you can say, okay, I'm going to deal with those as they come out, but I'm going to know that like, if I get myself a couple of symbiotes and a couple of bottom feeders, I'm going to be fine on an engine, and then I can flex into whatever, you know, whatever deeps cards come out. So I think that's really good in terms of replayability and just making sure that people get comfortable with the game. I'd love to go another round, but I <laughs> think after after all is said and done, I don't know that I'm going to have enough time. But, okay. Um, good. I love yeah. hearing that. Woo! And one thing I would gladly do with you sometime. Yeah. Play without the deep, so you can yeah. see and just see like. How much is packed into the game without? I can the imagine. I'm gonna guess in the rulebook you're gonna have something about for your first several games play without the deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. And see then that. we're gonna have specific uh, scenarios like so. This diamonds. <laughs> this diamonds is expert. Yeah. Do not play with inhospitable environment for your first game. So there's an inhospitable environment that's aging plus one. Mm-hmm. There's aging plus two and there's aging plus three. Oh god. And it's one diamond, two diamonds, three diamonds. Oh god. And and it's a rule of thumb. I'm like people can usually deal with one diamond in oh, yeah. new players. But experienced players love dealing with some of this harsh stuff, right? Because it's because like it's, it brings that that stress back into the game. Well, and especially because aging isn't just a bad mechanic. Right. It's not strictly bad. It gets you points. Like if you can sustain the population hit, that's triple the points now that you're getting. Right. And when you and you can play to it, you're like, I'm going to have a couple species yeah. that can get around stuff, and they're just scoring, and then they're. As you notice, this guy filled up, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I can't really use him anymore. I gotta, right. I gotta find someone else. I think one of the biggest differences that I would say that I'm noticing, and I, I know, you know, comparison's not necessarily fair to either game, but no, no. one of the biggest things that I'm noticing is because of the rules tweak regarding uh, when species die, it's really to a person's advantage to have more species. I think a big part of why you got ahead of me, I mean, but certainly a big part of why you got ahead of me was these three bottom feeders with the barbells and two symbiotes and like you just, you, you of went abundance, hard on gain. With abundance, I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm gaining. But I think a big part of it too is that you had just more species, which was giving you more every time you aged. And the counter, I guess, to that in this case would be it's harder to keep them all alive because you yeah. have more of them, but because of the cards that you drew into, because of the strategies that you knew you were able to pursue, like you well, and I saw this. I saw this guy first. Sure. And I and so that kind of helped me go. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm, that's what I'm going right. for. Overall, though, fantastic game. Thank you so much for the opportunity to play it. Uh, I look forward to seeing. Let's see. So the Kickstarter campaign is going to come out tomorrow. It's coming out tomorrow. So uh, check it out. Head it, over to Kickstarter. It has a very cool video. Have you seen the video? I have seen the video. It's, is it pretty cool? It's amazing. Like, yeah. It's super, it's super cool. I love yeah. the voiceover that you got. Almost sort of a... David uh, Attenborough. That's the guy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, David Carradine? No, that's not right. Yeah. David Attenborough. Yeah, voice. we actually paid for him to do it. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, check out, the, uh, check out the Kickstarter for Oceans. And uh, Dominic Grappuchettes, thank you again for the chance to come by and, and play test this game. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope you enjoyed this uh, sneak preview of Oceans, the new game from North Star Games that'll be hitting Kickstarter on Tuesday, March 26th. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, that's tomorrow. So definitely head on over, check out that Kickstarter. I know I'm going to be backing. Uh, I absolutely loved the chance to play it uh, that day. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I'm probably also going to be backing it. It looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, super nice. Uh, so head on over, check that out, see if it's something that strikes your fancy, and uh, maybe maybe back. So a uh, huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers, particularly at the Greater Wyrm level. That's Carissa, Casey, Hunter, Meg, and Sam. Thank you very much. We really appreciate all of the support from you and from our other patrons. Also, big shout out to all of our Twitch subscribers. We mentioned recently that we hit affiliate on Twitch, which means people are able to start subscribing. We haven't been calling those people out in the same way as our patrons, but uh, we feel that it's overdue. So huge thank you to Lucavio, Veadin, Leshik, Atom Crossberg, and Mini Mini. Huge, huge thank you, particularly to Atom Crossberg. He's at the absolute top tier of Twitch subscriptions. It's you know, there's no words for, yeah. for how much we really appreciate the support and the viewership and really just, you know, knowing that people out there are listening and enjoying the content we make. So thank you all very much from the bottom of our hearts. If you out there are listening and want to uh, support us, head over to Patreon or over to uh, Twitch if you enjoy our streams rather than our podcasts. Exactly. And finally, don't forget to join us next week when we will be reviewing Dragon Castle.